2023, there was a vast podcast known as Gruntwork. Ruled by two men, their power was negligible and fleeting. Their podcasting legacy was one of futility, absurdism, and downright silliness. This is the story of those two men watching movies starring the cast of Home Improvement and the movie that brought them down. It's time for Murder in Cowita County, based on a true story. You know, Landon, when we when we started this this adventure so many years ago, if you had asked me then, how many hours do you think that you will spend in the course of your podcast talking about Southern sheriffs, specifically in Georgia, <laughs> and and disputes over jurisdiction between adjoining Georgia counties and how uh, criminal matters are resolved? I would yeah. say at most we would spend one hour talking about that, and that would be generous. Okay. And that's only because I know how I am about politics and current events. Yeah, well, that that's how long you said we would have covered it, but uh, how would you have felt? Would you have been excited about that? You seem someone that gets amped up on jurisdiction. I mean, honestly, I would have been like, ooh, okay, are we, are we going to get into the weeds and talk about boring things on this podcast we're about to start? And indeed, we've done that many times on many subjects. Um, I just wouldn't have... I wouldn't have figured it would be for the reasons that that we would. If you if you told me that we were going to watch three different movies starring Tom Wopat and then a movie starring spoiler alert Johnny Cash <laughs> playing sheriffs who have to deal out justice on both sides of the county line. I mean, this is basically County Line Four. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's County Line Origins. Yes. Oh God, this is the prequel. Yes, this is like yeah. This, this movie is was made in. It's a TV movie. Okay, should I just go into the specs or I, or? I, I mean, let, I don't. Let's, let's bring people into what we're doing because I feel like this is one out of left field a little bit. People expect us to do the Santa Clauses. They yes. expect us to go through the JTTs. Yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think the uh, a Johnny Cash movie was on anyone's radar. <laughs> yes. This is this. There is not a field left in us. For this to be out of. This is out of the parking lot, if, if we're going with a baseball diamond analogy. Uh, okay, the movie is Murder in Coweta County. Yep. I, I am still not sure how to say Coweta. I've been, call, I've been calling it Coweta, and also the, the theft of a cow is kind of the inciting incident of this movie, so I That's like to true. think there's double meanings there, you know? There you go. Um, it's a TV movie made in 1983, and this is the first Earl Hinman movie we're doing. Um, I you, I wasn't sure if we should do this or the Parallax view, uh, but I opted ooh, for this one. Can we because still do we that? talked about in County Line No Fear, he's gifted a Johnny Cash guitar, yes. and this just felt simpatico. Yes. You you would also think we might have done Silverado, uh, probably the biggest movie that Earl Hinman was in. But no, this one, because of its County Line connection, much like... Much like a, a Georgia sheriff, one of two who I can think of, you found a piece of evidence and you followed it through and you made a big connection to an almost identical film. Absolutely. Uh, just call me a uh, the grunt work detective. Sheriff grunt work. Yeah, sheriff grunt um, work. That sounds good. <laughs> the grunt cop. <laughs> uh, but a cab, though. Sorry, Landon. Okay, we we still have more more preamble to go through, but why don't we just kind of? I want to really set the stage for this one. Give us a synopsis. I'll give us some you know director rundown, and then we'll get back to how we came to do this. Yes, exactly. That sounds great. Meriwether County, Georgia, nineteen forty eight. 
Wealthy landowner John Wallace, played by, get this, Andy Griffith, is an outwardly friendly, folksy churchgoer. But in reality, he's a brutal, sadistic bootlegger who answers to no one and has the local sheriff on his payroll. When poor sharecropper Wilson Turner steals one of Wallace's cows and flees into the adjoining Cowata County, Wallace and his thugs chase after him and violently capture him in front of a crowd of witnesses. Cowata County's incorruptible sheriff Lamar Potts, played by, get this, Johnny Cash, starts investigating the case, diligently seeking out evidence and witnesses to help bring down this untouchable crime lord. But he can't do it alone, which is why Sheriff Potts needs a little help from his brother and deputy, J.H., played by, get this, Earl Hindman from Home Improvement. Pre-home improvement. Pre-home improvement. Many years before home improvement. A couple years before Ryan's Hope, for that matter. Yeah. So, um, okay, as I said, this is a TV movie. Um, I am still trying to verify this. I think it was a CBS movie, but I am getting conflicting information on that. So uh, it's it's hard for me to say where this originally aired. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suffice it to say, on television. (laughs) Um, Complete with commercial breaks. The director is Gary Nelson, who, this might be a little bit before your time, Truman. I mean, it's it's obviously before your time. It's before my time. It's from 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, but were you familiar with The Black Hole growing up? The Black Hole? No, that that is not, not the astrological concept, but, the, but a <laughs> no, piece of media. It was Disney's big budget attempt to do Star Wars before Disney <laughs> owned long before Disney owned Star Wars. Oh, I did not I did not know that. Disney Disney had a Star Wars flopbuster. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh and I even had action figures from it. Um it it's not good. Uh you can watch it on the Disney Plus app right now if you wanted to. Um if you, if you wanted other... to is doing a lot of work. <laughs> uh I think more uh more famously, he did the original Freaky Friday uh, starring Barbara Harris and Jodie Foster for Disney. Mm. I, um, what, what I think is interesting looking at his filmography is that not only did he do The Black Hole, which is an attempt to uh, play off of Star Wars, but then in 1986 he did Alan Quaterman and the Lost City of Gold, which appears to be oh, a yeah. takeoff on Indiana Jones. So he really had kind of a niche... <laughs> Uh, attempting to do Kroger brand versions of uh, important properties. The Alan Quartermain movies are, I don't know, I, they, I think they are, but it, 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 I think it's its not just Indiana Jones, because that came out roughly around the same time, if not just a slightly bit later than Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. So it was, there was just something in the zeitgeist about, you know, the kind of uh, stubbly leather jacket bound dude going to exotic places with a blonde <laughs> I, I mean i think i think the thing in the atmosphere was the first indiana jones movie i also see looking at the looking at the poster for the first uh, of the movies in in this series which came out in 1985 it looks like they're going for kind of a both indiana jones but also road warrior vibe because he's you know he's there open shirted in front of an explosion but he's also and he's got an indiana jones hat on but he's also holding like mad max's hand cannon and i don't know they're, <laughs> they're it's a little croc dundee it's a little bit uh, indiana jones it's all fun it's they you know they're not good they are not good <laughs> films but uh they are they are in a kind of remo williams saves the world kind of way uh a little fun yeah um, anyway, uh, Gary Nelson, the director, did a lot of television as well, including one of my all-time favorites, Get Smart. Uh, mm. So 
he's got some cred. Uh, he he's bridging that gap between movies and TV by doing a TV movie. The teleplay is written by Dennis Nemec, uh, who I don't. He he's kind of a weird. I don't know how to describe his writing career. Um, he has stuff like 1984's Secrets of a Married Man, um, mm. which is a TV movie starring William Shatner. Uh, but its cover is like looking at Sybil Shepherd through a keyhole in her slip mm. <laughs> and William Shatner's like bare chested on the bed. Um, <laughs> so there's that, but he's also worked on stuff like, uh, stuff kind of in the vein of this movie, uh, the avenging angel starring Tom Berenger, um, you know, a Western TV movie, God bless the child in 1988, which is, um, you know, a, a kind of social drama, uh, starring Mayor Winningham, huh? mm-hmm. Mayor Winningham, anyone, no, no, um, no, no, never. No? I thought I thought at first Mayor Winningham was the mayor of a place, and then I realized I thought it was like a mayor, or, or is it more of a mayor of East Town? It's M A R E as a oh, mayor. okay, so okay, a classic mayor of East Town. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> Not to be confused with the mayor of Kingstown. That's Jeremy Renner. Go on. <laughs> uh, anyway, Dennis Nemec is adapting a book uh, by Margaret Ann Barnes. Um, and I have not read the book. I don't know much about the book, but I have to imagine it's kind of one of these true crime pot boilers uh, that you probably get at the airport. Though mm-hmm. I could, I'm not casting aspersions on that type of literature, but that's just what, based on what I saw today, uh, <laughs> struck me as. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it seems like a, a just uh, you know true crime story about a true crime that actually happened, which I guess you'd call true crime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I, I might call into question story. Uh, it's a, it's a, well, an incident. It's yeah, it's it's sort of an incident at Cowita County, basically. <laughs> Nor, normal n- normal application of justice in Cowita County. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, okay. I would agree. It's it's interesting. It is inter- it The story itself and uh, the true story that happened. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But it's also. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I've just been spoiled by other movies. Maybe shit just wasn't that exciting in 1983. <laughs> well, I don't know. So I, I'm trying to. Okay, we we have multiple multiple places to go with this one. Uh, should we finish up just how we came to do this and then get yeah. to that? Expl- yeah. Okay. Explain. Is this is this the story of 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 the selection process? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I I want to get into. I- <laughs> The fact that you had literally no idea what you were getting into with this one. Landon tells me after we record last week's episode, oh man, I got something really good for us to watch next week. I just want you to go in completely blind. I don't want you to know anything about it up front. Text me when you're ready to watch it and I will send you the link. It's like, it's like... You know, the process of, oh, oh, we're going to have you read for the new Marvel script. You have to go to this location and a PA will watch you read it on paper. It's, 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 it's this, it's this hot shit. So yes, I, I, so at the appointed time I texted Landon and he just sent me a YouTube link and I just jumped right in, not knowing what I was going to get. And well, I have to ask, uh, before we, we continue with that, uh, did, did the effect of not realizing you were about to watch a Johnny Cash movie did, was that amplified by not knowing what the fuck you were getting yourself into? It it smacked me in the face. You know, I click the link, I get a very, <laughs> I get a very grainy, you know, th- something that was just very clearly airing on TV, shot on, you know, shot and air and taped off of television in the eighties. 
and the first thing I see is Johnny Cash in, and then Andy Griffith's billing. And the first, the very first scene in the movie, after some text saying this is a true story, is Andy Griffith, like, saying the N-word. I mean, eventually. he get, it's, 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 it's Andy Griffith being mean and carrying a gun. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, this was a this was a shock. This was not at all what I expected. I was not I, the last thing I expected after watching three Georgia County Sheriff jurisdiction dispute movies. <laughs> what, did I expect another Georgia County Sheriff dispute? Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even finish the thing. I didn't expect it. I didn't want to have to think about it this much. Yeah, so, tell me yeah. about. So tell me, tell me your process, Landon. How did you find out this was there? Well, so, you know, we have our running list of, you know, movies from Home Improvement stars that, you know, we've been looking at for a while. And I thought, you know what, I want to go a little bit deeper. I I, I don't know if the initial research we did, which was just kind of like, let's gather the big ones we know and go from there. I'm like, there has to be more. And I'm like, who who in the cast have we not done yet? We only did Richard Carnes' first movie not that long ago, you know, with yeah. MVP. Um, clearly there's, you know, and then it came to me, Earl Hinman. I'm like, okay, well, interesting. Do we do the parallax view? And so I started like digging into like, well, what has Earl Hinman done? And, you know, I figured we'd spare his legacy and our listeners, the exploitation movies that he started in. Yeah. Sounds Um, good. Uh, I did watch one and it had a very weird scene with, Torture and whipped cream. Uh, keep was it he, there. Is he is he do, is, is he doing the torturing, or is that just something that is happening yeah. around him? Okay, he's kind of doing. It, it's very depraved. Uh, uh, is it is it in a cavern that's hinted to be beneath his house? <laughs> no, but someone reached out on Instagram. Uh, Corey reached out on Instagram to tell us that was actually the set to Armageddon. Oh, really? That's inside. Oh, like like when they drill into the caverns on the yeah. uh, on the asteroid. Corey, thank you so much. That is that is really useful to know. Actually, and I'm not being sarcastic. I actually am really <laughs> that kind of is like scratching an itch that I haven't been able to get to for, for yeah. months. Agreed. Um. Anyway, so I I just started digging deeper, and I'm like, okay, what what's something that I would have like glazed over as like maybe not available at the time. Anyway, I'm getting really in the weeds about how I selected this. I was just scrolling through on Letterboxd Earl Hinman, which doesn't include TV stuff, mm-hmm. but it does include TV movies. And so you'd be, I was shocked when I saw Johnny Cash's face. I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? And I clicked it and saw that it was a movie and thought, well, now hold on. Yeah. <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about Johnny Cash a whole lot. Um, <laughs> Let's let's look it up. And I, you know, a lot of TV movies are available on YouTube, which is how we watched it. Although it's also available on Tubi. Um, and so I just skimmed through it as I was telling you before we recorded. Uh, my bar for choosing a movie is: is the cast member in it as much, if not more, than Patricia Richardson was in Undue Influence? Now, and and I didn't say this at the time because, uh, but I want to say now that's a fairly low bar when you consider yeah. that Undue Influence was a total of five hours long and Patricia <laughs> Richardson was in 20 minutes of it or something. So basically at this point, if if Earl Hinman was in three frames of this movie, I feel like that would clear the bar. So I, I think you need better criteria. Well, I wanted to okay, I wanted to make sure that he was in at least three scenes as I skimmed through and I wanted to make sure he had lines. And he does. I figured 
I figured that is minimal criteria. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I mean, and look, I think you chose well. He, I was pleased by the amount of Earl Hindman that I got here. I did not feel as though I was taken advantage of in that regard. Good, good. Okay, great. D- um, so, okay, we're done here then, right? That's it. That's all we had to get to. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Uh, <laughs> Truman feels good. Podcast over. Um, okay, so I guess let's go into first impressions now, um, and then we'll kind of go into a deep dive of this. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, I don't need to know your your deepest, intimate, most thoughts about this. We'll get into that in a minute. But outside of just being shocked at the fact that you're watching, you know, a kind of – have you? okay, let me ask you this. Have you seen Face in the Crowd? I've not seen Face in the Crowd. I'm okay, but but I have seen Hearts of the West, which is a movie from the 70s in which Andy Griffith plays a kind of an asshole. So, I've <laughs> I've seen this version of Andy Griffith before and I like it a lot. I really and he <laughs> he's and I, so good at it. And I like how much he is enjoying it. And it really this really makes me want to see a Face in the Crowd in which Andy Griffith plays a huge asshole uh would be authoritarian who runs for president. Uh <laughs> But yeah, it's it's great. I think he's having the time of his life. I think he's so sick of being a friendly nice guy on TV. <laughs> well, okay. I, I, let's let's maybe use this as the the point the access point to get into it and um uh, talk a little bit about his performance right off the bat. Yeah, I, I don't. I think there are moments when he's maybe having fun, but I, I I'm not sure that I would use that to describe his entire performance. I think he's taking it pretty seriously. I, um, like like he's bringing he's doing what he needs to to drive the point of the movie home. It's not like he's you know throwing the n word out in like a Tarantino no movie. No, hardly. He, he's doing it to serve a purpose of the character. Um, and you know, I, I do think that he, as a performer, it's, it's probably got to be cathartic to, to be able to play both sides of the, the coin, right? You've got your Mulberry and you've got your Mayberry, your, your Mayberry and Boom. your, your August berry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing is, uh, okay. I'm trying to think of how to even phrase this, this, uh, question. Andy Griffith as a person, not as a performer, very, very progressive person. Yes. Uh, he backed, demo, you know, Democratic people, leaned to the left. Uh, yeah. You know, did he campaign for Barack Obama at a yeah. certain point with Ron Howard? Yeah, I saw like, that video. Yeah, they they go fishing together. It, yeah. Even though they both uh, admit to camera, they find it embarrassing to put on the costumes again. <laughs> <laughs> um, So... I am having a hard time finding a proxy of like a a actor who can play this type of character, uh, this kind of corrupt uh, sort of. Well, maybe not. I guess Brian Cox is a good example. <laughs> what to just play a larger than life figure who's seemingly like kind of scary by how powerful and in control he is, even though that's. Not the yeah, progressive, yes. friendly face that he has. The privilege. I mean, okay, let's 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 call out one of the big elephants in the room. I mean, this is basically a, 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 a dramatization of the Murdoch from South Carolina story. 
yeah, I, I guess I don't, I honestly, that is a true crime story I really didn't follow because I just was like, it's, I, I don't know. For some reason, I was just like, I feel like I've heard this before. I didn't really follow it. Was that, like, was that just the same thing where a powerful family killed somebody and, and nobody they, did anything? I mean, I, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> answer that. Uh, yes and no and kind of and more more than you can even imagine. Okay. Um, but the the long and short of it is they were a, like a family dynasty of lawyers in a town who basically owned the cops mm. uh, and could get away with whatever they wanted to. Um, and maybe maybe we pull out the other kind of political elephant in the room. Uh, basically had the mentality of I could shoot somebody in the street and still get away with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's true, true. Which uh, uh, you know, as of uh, as of three forty six p.m. on March twenty second, still seems to be the case. Still seems to be getting away with it. Um, it does have a lot of relevance in terms of just a culture of you know a a, a charismatic folksy guy acting with impunity and knowing that he can get away with it and believing that he can get away with it and being. Yeah kind of viscerally angry when he can't. Um, so all of that to go back to my original question, which is I, I have a hard time finding a, a proxy in modern times to Andy Griffith uh, in like someone who is progressive, but can so convincingly play that other side. I, I mean, I think Tom Hanks can, I just don't think he has he hasn't played enough villains yet, but he's getting into that. I think in the next few years we're going to see Tom Hanks do a really compelling turn as a bad guy. As Tom great Hanks as he is going to break bad. Yeah, I think he's going. Yeah, I think he's going to break incredibly bad. I mean, I, you look how like in he was in the Lady Killers, uh, playing a guy oh who spends yeah. the whole a bad movie, the Coen Brothers' worst movie, arguably, in which he spends the entire film trying to kill an old lady, and he's this cartoonishly villainous person he he is having the time of his life there i think and when i said yeah when i said earlier that andy griffith is clearly having fun i do just want to be clear i don't think he's taking this part very seriously i think he is enjoying the catharsis of playing so hard against type and yeah. and being uh, being this villain and like playing you know playing both the the folksy charm in public and then the murderous uh intent uh when he's when he's alone yeah yeah well, what did you think of Johnny Cash as an actor? Wow, I have a myriad of thoughts about that. Initially, I was like, "Oh, okay." I the 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 trope of musician turned actor goes far beyond, uh, far earlier than like Tupac and and rappers that you know are are questionable. Yeah. Um, but there is a moment, and I I, I, I don't know, I kind of want to get into the deep dive so we can start talking about this stuff. There, there's a moment when he has to go uh, uh, detain someone, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of people, you know, uh, their their family, the kingdom, is like creating a firewall between him and the suspect. Um, that it sold me on it. Like he's not James Cagney, no. but there is a like. I could tell this dude has been to prison and would fuck me up. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it, I don't think he's like, he's not Jack Nicholson level of manic about it. 
like it's not that like crazy performance. Yeah. But there's a there's just a like hardness in his eye, even if it does come a little stilted out of his mouth that I wouldn't want to fuck with it. <laughs> it's it's really like th- this is pretty bold and and wonderful stunt casting that they got a guy famous for playing a friendly good sheriff to play an outlaw and they got a guy famous for being an outlaw to play a crusading <laughs> sheriff like oh it, my god i hadn't even put that together be, yeah be, you're right because i think he's he's great in this he, he's i'm surprised at how good he is i've not really seen johnny cash act before and i was like wow you're really doing it like the because the part is all stoicism Mm-hmm. And he's just I like I buy that. I don't think that this is the guy who is then, you know, going and, and you know, having a fit because there's not Fiji water in his trailer or something. It's like, yeah, this guy lives this life. <laughs> I, yeah. I I buy him. He is very authentic and he delivers the lines well because he's a natural showman. Um, I, so I found those two performances. I, honestly, I mean, all the performances are good, certainly, but it's it's hard for Earl Hinman to shine even with the full use of his face when he's got. <laughs> this really kind of kind of uh, eclectic duo who are who are killing it in the lead roles. Yeah. Well. Okay. Let, let's round out just talking about the performances by addressing the Earl Hinman of it all. Uh, a. Okay. Now listen. I know <laughs> you're gonna bring up the technicalities of Home Improvement. Um, yeah. That his we we've seen his face before. <sighs> But this is completely unobstructed, without face paint, without anything. Uh, without the ravages of time, without a hat. <laughs> He's wearing a hat? He's wearing a hat sometimes. I guess most of the time. <laughs> a different hat. Different type a different of hat. different kind of hat. Still counts. Um, what did you... What, tell me, tell, walk me through a little bit of your your, your Earl Hinman experience. Uh, you know, I, look, so... I. Earl Hinman doesn't show up in this movie for 15 to 20 minutes. I've clicked on this link. I'm watching this weird YouTube movie with with Andy Griffith and Johnny Cash in it. And I'm and like also the first 15 minutes of this movie, it's mainly about Andy Griffith committing the crime. Like it's him having yeah. this dispute with this sharecropper who then steals his cow and there's this whole extended a, thing with a, a, a sharecropper named Wilson. Yes, a sharecropper named Wilson, whose name everyone says for the rest of the movie. But they, <laughs> uh, he he tries to abscond with the cow. He gets arrested by a different sheriff in a different county, taken to jail, whatever. They have him, and then and then Andy Griffith has them release him so he can chase him down and, and capture him. There's like all of this plot going on that's just Andy Griffith tormenting this guy and being like the Terminator. And I'm like, what the fuck is, <laughs> is Landon pranking me? Is this like April is coming up? What's going on? And, uh, so I finally landed. I, I must admit after about 15 minutes, just before he showed up, I finally just caved and I went to, I, or to Wikipedia and looked it up. Like, what the fuck am I watching? What, how, how much longer do I have to wait to see why I'm doing this? And then I saw Earl Hindman on it, went back to it. And then immediately like, this is my brother, JH. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Wilson. Uh, but but my biggest takeaway is just that i he has a certain delivery even though he's speaking with a southern accent here there's just a certain kind of polite and precise uh, can-do delivery to it uh, that you always get that i that is comforting like a lighthouse on a stormy night well uh, well, how did you feel um yeah i think he's solid i mean i really respect actors who don't 
Well, I, I can't speak to their off-screen ego, but um, at least on-screen, they're there to serve the scene. Um, yeah. He seems like a team player. Like, oh, yeah. He knows, okay, I'm mostly just going to be in the corner of the frame with Johnny Cash, but when I tell my kids about my acting career, I will be able to say I shared the screen with Johnny Cash, so <laughs> I'm going to do the best I can to support that scene in any way that I could. Yeah, John, yeah, Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith in in some cases, two two real titans. I don't need to remind everyone who's in the movie, but that's that's I was <laughs> I was ex- my one of my biggest reactions was just being excited that he had this many scenes with the leads, like just on his behalf as a working actor. Like, yeah. Yeah, okay, you got a lot well, of scenes in there. They look good, and you're real. The well, the thing is, like, this is coming after um, the Parallax View, which is maybe my favorite performance of his. Because mm-hmm. he and Warren Beatty get into a th- brawling bar smashing good time in that movie. Okay. Uh, and it also comes after taking a Pelham 123, mm-hmm. which is maybe his most infamous role. Mm-hmm. There, are uh, so, there are so many better movies, <laughs> like more entertaining movies with Earl Hinman in them. We got to watch one of these at some point, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I. I Listen, to choose one for a comedy podcast, I went with what the numbers were telling me here. Uh, Fair. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if that plays out. Um, the So, yeah, I don't think it's his best performance, but I think it just shows that he's a, a grand performer. Uh, you know, he, he's an actor with a capital A. That That is true. That is true. I, what, what do you think? Uh, so he's playing Johnny Cash's brother. Do you think there's a resemblance no <laughs> i i mean cousin maybe i kind of like i feel like i feel like they both have a similar kind of looking nose a little bit at least at this point in both of their <laughs> lives and so for me i would be kind of like maybe yeah sure why not that's close enough for a movie knowing that they're not related sure, it's yeah. like yeah Fine, okay, I'll buy that. It's not, it's not like Looper, where you're trying to convince me that that Joseph Gordon-Levitt turns into Bruce Willis over the course of thirty years. <laughs> so much prosthetics and uh, eye contact lenses. Oh God. Um. Yeah, I don't know, but I know he's he's uh, he's solid in this. I guess that's yeah. the same thing you said. But I have a, okay. So I, I I this is where we're starting to get I my questions about the movie and relationships and stuff. So I think we should dive in. Um. Let's. I'm trying to think of how to do this. Um, are, are you trying to think about how to do like a a funny series of like uh, <laughs> allegories for relevant things that we can do to get into this movie, but all of them relate to Southern law enforcement in the 40s, and you're uncomfortable about doing that, or are you just trying to think <laughs> of how to attack this movie? <laughs> all of the above. Um, I, I have okay. I don't know if this if this says anything about me or the movie, but uh, until. Right before we started recording, I didn't realize that this was set in 1948. Well, you well, you thought it was just like set in the land and the cars are old. I, I know. I know that. But you know what? Okay. To my credit, as I saw the cars here in the movie, I thought, <laughs> well, Wilson has one of those in his garage. Oh, God. We've watched so much home improvement that you just think everyone drives old classic cars because in the world of home improvement, everyone does. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez, dude! I'm. So, do we need to take a break from just j- just doing the show for a while? Do we need to just maybe watch, maybe watch shows yes. where people drive minivans and stuff? <laughs> oh god! 
<laughs> um, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, it's cool. The, the, the other thing is, yeah, I, I it's let's talk about the plot the way that we just talked about performances um and then i think maybe we could just pull out specific sequences and scenes because i want to just kind of drive home that this is not a story really no no it is not it is absolutely not a story it it, it is how, how would you explain this this is this is a great new yorker article this is i would read a I would read like a 7,000 word New Yorker article about this, which is sourced through interviews with historians and survivors and things like that. Mm. Great. I- enjoyable. A verbal For, history? Yeah, oral you know. history? I'm sorry. Yeah, something like that. Like, you know, because I think that the the clash between a, a very corrupt dude and a sheriff who is at least presented as a, a good and noble uh, crusader for justice, I somehow doubt that the real the, the the real sheriff Lamar Potts was totally a okay on everything maybe that's me you know I, I, I don't know I don't he's know. not he's not giving his brother uh three bucks to buy just a, an orphan some pants yeah yeah he's save the cat moment in this movie when we first meet him I just I I you know I'm I wouldn't give a uh rural Georgia sheriff now the benefit of the doubt i certainly wouldn't do it for one um a good 20 years before the civil rights act so anyway um but it's like it's in, it's interesting and kind of satisfying a story about here's a rich guy who thought he was above the law and he he gets too far ahead of his skis and he didn't count on on getting tracked down by uh by this badass it but but the way that the movie is set up it's really just like i thought this was going to be a cat and mouse game between andy yeah. griffith and johnny cash and this is more of a cat and cat food game like <laughs> the cat food is sitting there and the yes. cat goes and eats it and you're like well okay yeah i i completely agree with you i i thought that there was going to be a little more like wielding of the power like him like andy griffith lording over johnny cash like even if I did do it, <laughs> pulling a kind of an OJ, yeah. you know, even if I did do it, you have no power to stop me. You yeah. Know, what are you going to do? This entire town, you know, is backing me. And there was really very little opposition. Andy Griffith, and this is a testament to his performance, he does come across, at, at least initially, as this very powerful and threatening figure. And you see it in the way that he conducts himself. And he has kind of one scene with the community <laughs> where he takes bootlegging money that he that he stole off another guy even though he's a bootlegger too and uses and donates it to the church in front of this crowd of people to be like oh buy some new pews because the lord tells me to and you so you get this sense early on of that and he brings that to the role but then in the events of the story yeah at no point does all of this power that he has do anything for him (laughs) and everyone turns on him at the very first chance that they get so it's not even like there's any public support for him, it seems like. So it kind of undermines this idea of him, like the the county that he lives in, which is not Cowata County, it's the uh, adjacent Merriweather County. I talk right. about so many Georgia counties on this show. In Merriweather <laughs> County, it's referred to well, as the These two the are real. I don't know about, I don't know about the county line counties. Those uh, might be fake. Th- those, those counties, they can only exist in the realm of fantasy, you know, in, in, a, in a beautiful, <laughs> sun-dappled world where there is nothing but empty warehouses. This, the, the, this county has, it has mansions, it has a courthouse, it has swamps. 
Which you know, listen, I, I I spend a good deal of time in Florida. I you know, at least once a year of yeah. my life, you know, I go down there. Uh, you know, a week or two of my life, I go down there. Most and, and, of my life, I've done that. Yeah, and the the not much has changed. Like this downtown area looks like downtown areas that you drive through. I, I guess I'm I'm going back to my insecurities about not realizing this was in the 1940s. I guess I was yeah. I was just a, so everyone even in the middle of a hot day, all the all the guys are wearing like suits and ties that are just way too short and 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 hats. <laughs> well, uh, that was I don't know. I can't. I have no. I. <laughs> I can't defend myself. Uh, okay, so, you, um, so no, no, you're just telling me, Landon, that when you go to the South, you see uh, entrenched uh, segregation present in the communities where well, people of, of one race seem to have more wealth and power than people of a different race. <laughs> sure, right. <laughs> I, I am. I feel entrapped to laugh at that, and yeah. I'm not going to. Um, uh, well, okay, great. You are you are a better lawyer than uh, Andy Griffith is. Um, so. Yeah, I, I I expected that there was, I don't know, when you have two powerhouse names like Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith, I just expected a little more butting of heads, and for the most part, like they are n- not really on screen together in this movie. It it, it kind kind of like Heat, but again, without any of the like <laughs> tension or or sense of conflict, really. It's like it's no, like that one takes place in the eighties. Okay. Well, no, I no, no, heat takes place in the 90s. Oh god damn it. You're right. Oh god. Okay, this is this is great. This is vindicating for me though because I am the one who's always getting actor and character names wrong. So if at least I can I can nail the setting for movies, that'll do it. Um <laughs> but but I I mean there is it's it's like heat if Robert De Niro's character was just really cocky and dumb. Like any of the joy of, of heat of watching how careful and professional he is, take that away and just have him be making ridiculous mistakes that no smart criminal would make. Yeah. I mean, Andy Griffith gets arrested like halfway through the movie and you're kind of like, "Oh, well, all right. Well, now you literally have him in jail." And even Earl Hinman is saying to Johnny Cash, like, oh, we can book him on assault and kidnapping and all these other things. And, and Johnny Cash is like, no, we got to get him for murder. And it's like, well, OK, well, you, you you so you already can charge him. You already have a bunch on him. You just want to get more like that just deflates the tension of it. Because I'm yeah. not I'm not that concerned about justice for this random, you know, this random dude who seemed kind of skeevy anyway, even though it's sad that he died. And the the. The, the other like I don't know the the points of interest is like on there's there it's two concurrent things it's Andy Griffith uh, you know before Johnny Cash comes into it committing the crime the 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 murder that happens is mm. I mean he's being brutal in the moment and he's definitely like trying to take the shit out of somebody yeah but a gun goes off and kills him while he's in the midst of doing that and it happens in front of a bunch of people in town. Yeah, and they see him shove the guy into the car, uh, per, you know, presumably dead, and drive off with him. Yeah. Then you know, once this gets around to Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash starts you know trying to get his evidence to get him on murder in addition to these other charges. Um, and so these two stories are are happening concurrently, where Johnny Cash is doing that, and Andy Griffith is constantly trying to cover his tracks. Let's get rid of the body, okay? Um, we have some gentlemen that might be talking on us. We gotta, we gotta get rid of the body from where we buried it and burn it, and then mm-hmm. 
push it down the river. So these yeah. two things are, you know, kind of happening simultaneously. Um, and it, I, I wanted to feel, and it felt like it did until you, you're right at that halfway point when he gets arrested. I was thinking this is like building to a head. Like this mm-hmm. is going to really come down to something, you know, whether it be a shootout, you know, Scarface style, that would have been a a wild direction to take this movie. Just Andy Griffith on a mountain of cocaine trying to keep people out of his mansion. Um, Yeah. Or, or, or it's, or it's, you know, just a gigantic shootout in, in the middle of, of downtown middle of nowhere, Georgia, like in heat where it's just, you know, probably Earl Hindman gets killed in that scene and that's a major turning point and all that. Um, but it just it, it's like Andy Griffith did a bad thing. He tries to cover it up, but Johnny Cash is good at his job and finds the evidence that he needs to, uh, you know. So once he once Andy Griffith burns the body, he hires um, some moonshiners that are on his property to dispose of the ashes in the river. They turn on him and say, yeah, this is what we did. We burned the body. We poured the ashes into the river and uh, some other gentlemen finds the ashes like a tracker he yeah. finds the ashes uh pulled on like a a tree growing out of um out of the, the water river. and yeah. finds some he finds some bone shards yeah uh it, in order to to prove that it was Wilson Turner who was killed and link it to so it, it's like Andy Griffith is bad at doing his job Johnny Cash is good at doing his job yep and therefore the inevitable happens in which Johnny era Johnny Cash arrests Andy Griffith and then yeah. it goes into just the trial. And yeah. I'm like, this is such a weird way to structure a movie because I feel like all of the tension and what we have been building towards is just kind of like hit the reset button. It's like, okay, well, now we're at a trial. This is where Andy Griffith is really going to, you know, um, uh, put the pressure on his power here. Yeah. This is where TV's Matlock is going to is gonna kick into <laughs> action. <laughs> Right, right. Every every time he was in the courtroom, and he's even wearing kind of a light colored suit. Every time yeah. he's he's talking in the courtroom, I'm just hearing the Matlock theme, which I love <laughs> in the background. I'm just grooving out to it. Um, it's like Bizarro Matlock. I when I saw him get arrested, and then it goes into the trial. Like my thinking was, okay, so this is like a Law and Order episode, great. But then, and like there's uh, like he doesn't have. He has a terrible lawyer, and then he stops taking his bad lawyer's advice and makes even worse decisions. Like so, it's not, yeah. it's not really a legal battle. They have no case whatsoever. He has no alibi or anything like that. And here, this is the thing. So, the two moonshiners who he has burn the body, and who they eventually, you know, who who Johnny Cash eventually talks to and convinces to testify. Names are Albert Brooks and Ro- Robert Lee Gates. Um. Th- these are not two to be bla- confused with the Albert Brooks. No, no, certainly not. Uh, or, or uh, I guess with Bill Gates, even though he has a different name. Um, <laughs> these are these are two black guys. They and at one point, even you know, they are they are reluctant, uh, com- you know, uh, compatriots in this. They don't want to be doing this, but they're even talking as they're disposing of the body. And one of them saying like, "We let's just get out of here," and the other one says, "You know, no, he he shot a, a white guy uh, over a fifty dollar cow. What do you think he's going to do to us?" Like it's made clear like yeah they're at the bottom of the power dynamic mm-hmm. here the fact that they them being willing to talk to the police and then them having to go they're put into some sort of witness protection that we get that is alluded to 
like that's that's huge. They are taking their lives and the lives of their entire families. They're putting them at great risk speaking out against this very powerful white guy. Like and who even says multiple times himself, no no white man has ever gone to the chair based on the testimony of a black person. So like that's yeah, and that's I- their decision to testify, that's drama. That's excitement. I want to see that. We don't even see wanna, them testify in court. They never even take the stand. I want to ask you about this, and I want to be, you know, we're we're a goof em up show, so I, I you know, want to just pause and say we're, we're I want to ask seriously about we're, this. We're going into a, okay, a grunt work serious corner. Everybody, everybody yeah, join me. We can yes. be adults. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, no frivolity uh, for the next few minutes. Okay, it, it says that this film is based on a real incident that happened in 1948 and resulted in the first time in history of the state of Georgia where a white man was given the death sentence upon the testimony of two black men. Yes. Now, that's not the story we saw. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm wondering if <laughs> if the the structural issues we're seeing with this movie, if it's if it's a case of well, we can't tell the movie that way because the people that are going to watch an Andy Griffith show uh, movie and a Johnny Cash movie are probably going to be more interested in their story than the testimony part. Yeah. I mean, I mean does that sound possible? I mean, for why we got what we got? Absolutely. Well, yeah, because the the group of white executives who greenlit this and the white guy who wrote it and the white guy who directed it, like they looked at the story and saw a cool cops and robbers story about this, this, you know, sheriff catching this criminal. And I just think they probably weren't cognizant of. I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't put it on them. I mean, especially TV movies are like broadcast company first. And then sure. they they well, bring people on to, to do it. So of course, of I, I course. would I would point fingers more at at the place that you know greenlit this than than the the director and the writer. Well, and I mean, I'm not even I just I'm not even suggesting that the omission is necessarily malicious so much as just yeah, this is what happens when you have a racially stratified entertainment system. Just mm-hmm. this is a thing that just didn't occur to them as an interesting story to tell or an interesting or important angle and that it does occur to, it's the thing that we notice and think about now because there's been a sort of dialogue about these issues and representation more recently. I mean, yeah, still, it's, I I mean, I I could also hear the conversation in the back of my head that that's just not ratings, you know, even though this does come, you know, five years, six years after roots. Yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I just, Roots was I can, just. I can hear the the board meeting where it's like, oh yeah, we got Andy Griffith and we got Johnny Cash, and uh, you know, w- just just make the make the make the racial part just kind of you know you don't have to ignore it. Just it, don't lead with it. I, I don't mean, don't make it a the things we have to put in the commercial. There, there could also you know yeah it could be that it could also just be that those scenes were written and shot but then in editing it was like well we're you know we're mostly interested in the story about the cop and the criminal and we've got all these scenes of you know these these two guys debating what they're going to do and these two guys on the stand and and what that's like for them and that's just taking us away from what people yeah you know it's whether whether it was the studio telling them not to or whether it was just that creative decision getting made when the thing was cut together uh yeah the the most the most interesting part and i think the most dramatic part of of an otherwise by the book um piece well, of criminal justice uh is left yeah. out of the movie 
that's the thing is like I think that is the story. There is the emotional arc there. There is the tension there of you know that I would like to see as you said uh that is left on the table in service of just a guy did a thing and then you know got his comeuppance. Yeah. And there is really <laughs> No, no conflict there. I, I mean, the you know, because and, and I don't want to take anything away from Sheriff Potts played by Johnny Cash. He's he, he is good at his job and he definitely he catches a bad guy. And furthermore, he he uh, a, a rich, uh, a rich white guy has to uh, face justice. And it's like, OK, that's great. I'm always happy when that happens. But he is ultimately <laughs> just doing his job. He is just doing yeah. the thing that a sheriff is supposed to do. The the two moonshiners who testify, again, who admit they were taking part in a criminal activity and trust that they will be pardoned for talking about it and try to take down this guy whose family seems to have ruled this county for generations. They they are the ones going above and beyond. They are the ones swimming yes. upstream. Yes. Uh, I, I was going to even say that Johnny Cash doesn't even go above. You know, outside the law to get the job done, he doesn't. He... But you know, maybe maybe this can can segue us back into the the <laughs> kind of levity of this, which is he doesn't do that, but he he does go to a psychic. <laughs> he yeah he look he goes to a psychic though no, but even then he goes to a psychic merely because like he has heard from someone else that Andy Griffith will go and talk to this this psychic out in the countryside. And it, so it's not even a psychic. It's like a bubble bubble toil and trouble uh you know Macbeth style witch. Yeah, she lives in a ha- she wearing an army cap, living in a shack in the woods with like 15 dogs and another old woman about her age staying there with her. It's a coven. It's it it's it's a coven or it's just two country lesbians and either way I think it's beautiful. Um <laughs> But but goes to goes to her for also in a in a movie that is largely pretty by the book and cut and dried. This was a the 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 existence of this zany fortune teller who speaks in rhyme is awesome and I love it. But also the the, the only reason that Johnny Cash goes to talk to her, it's not he he's not going to her like for her psychic readings. He's going to her because okay, I think the guy went and saw you and talked about what he did after murdering someone. So I'm going to go ask you like he's seen her as a potential witness to a crime, not as a client of her fortune tellery. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the this is another part of Johnny Cash's performance that I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Was that he doesn't there, there's no pretense like he's he's treating everyone that he meets in this movie on their own level, mm-hmm. and there's no like, uh, let's go talk to this fucking wackadoo out here in the woods. Yeah, like, he goes there and he kind of like respects her game. Like, I don't know that I believe in what you're doing or not, but you do your thing, and if you give me information, that's great. If not, I'm not gonna bother you any further. Like, there there's just a, a real, I don't know, true grit. <laughs> I- you know, him. no, I think that's a good point. And I think I think what it is, I think what why I also liked and responded to his character so much is that Johnny Cash is in this movie embodying what I think is a very positive masculinity. Like he is yeah. he is he, he cares about the people around him, as demonstrated by him giving his deputy money to go buy a kid some new pants, you know, or like but even just in how he. And how he talks to her, he is not like maybe a character on some other show we watch, 
uh, making fun of her, mocking her to his face, rolling his eyes at her. He's just treating her with respect, being professional to her, being kind and deferential to everybody. And he never like, and he never really, there's not bluster and bravado to him, but he yeah. also is just, he is very stoic and, t- you know, he he wants to do right by people, but he doesn't make a big fuss. Like, I think this is, it's kind of endearing to see that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, that said, there is a full-on Macbeth witch in this movie, which I wasn't expecting. Oh, now, now listen. Do you, do you want to? So this this full-on Macbeth witch, uh, the, you know, the character, the the, per, the real-life person, uh, she's based on a real-life person who was involved in oh. this case. Oh, okay. give me the info. Okay, let's go into spill a, the tea. Uh, I learned that one recently. I. <laughs> Recently, did you? Oh, Landon, wait until you hear about this wokeness thing the kids are doing. Um, so uh, the this woman was named Mahaley Lancaster, and uh, mm-hmm. she, uh, you know, w- did some fortune telling out in the in the Georgia countryside. She was involved in multiple high profile Georgia murder cases. There was this one with John Wallace, and before that, there was the trial of Leo Frank, who was a rich guy who owned a factory who uh, murdered one of his 13 year old employees. And that's just a big sad story we don't need to go into. But so she was like, she testified against rich white guys in multiple cases. Um. <laughs> But so before she before she was involved in uh, this murder case and testified against John Wallace, uh, in 1926, she ran for the Georgia legislature. She was the first woman ever to run f- for a state in the Georgia state legislature. And she oh ran on a, on a platform of advocating for roads and railroads to come out to rural communities, better okay. public schools, and the passage cool. of a law that would uh, force doctors to deliver babies even if the family couldn't afford to pay for it. Hey. So, so, so she's like really cool. Pretty neat. Pretty neat lady. Well, actually, no. I guess any, any, any white person in the South in this time period, or even now, you you, you got to kind of take with a grain of salt. But on the surface, she seems pretty dope. Um, I didn't know any of that about her. I guess I, I f- keep forgetting that this is based on a true story. Although yeah. I don't know why I I do, but it would make sense that she's a real person. So. I didn't, uh, yeah, my research didn't take me that far. My research went in another direction, which is, do you know who played this uh, person in this movie? Uh, It is uh, Johnny Cash's wife, whose name I don't have in front of me right now. June June Carter Cash, uh, as made famous by Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) I wonder why this wasn't in Walk the Line. (laughs) I, um, you know, I, I did not realized this until after the movie when I was reading about it more on Wikipedia, but there is this scene kind of kind of late in the movie when when Mahaley is showing up for the trial and she's being greeted by Johnny Cash outside and they have this exchange about how you know, she's wearing like a nice hat and not an army cap and he says like, oh, you're wearing a different hat and she says, oh yes, the old one belonged to, to my my brother. It was a World War One cap, but he would he, he you know, was killed in action. Johnny Cash says, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And she goes, oh, no, we still talk often. But there's this kind of <laughs> warmth and affection in the exchange between them that at the time I was like, that's this fun. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I get that he was acting and that's good. But also, I that, that was a fun bit of banter between a husband and wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, OK, I, I, I'm trying to think of what else we should cover before we go to the trial, because. There's a whole other movie to unpack there. Okay, well, I mean, one thing, uh, I I don't, maybe this is, again, a dark subject for a po- comedy podcast, but I don't think it warrants a trip to Serious Corner. 
burning a body and then dumping the ashes into a river actually you're... pretty pretty good idea i mean i'm just gonna I, say it i don't i don't know about that i mean I'm, it's a bad idea to kill people and if you find a dead body you should call the authorities i'm saying if yeah. you're if you're already committed to to doing bad things I mean, you're trying to not get caught it's i don't know i think it's smart in the 40s maybe we... maybe things were a little bit different in 1948 rural georgia but i the amount of heat you need to burn a body to ashes mm. uh i think in 2023 would draw way too much attention and require too much stuff to do on the fly like they do in this movie. I, I in fact it's one of the the pieces that I'm wondering if wasn't exactly true to the true story. I mean they have they're moonshiners. They have a lot of high proof alcohol on okay. hand. The accelerant is not an issue. Um well, maybe. But okay, let's just say you can disposing of the body that way. Uh I don't know. Uh, I I think that it's water, especially a river, a stream, a creek, any kind of moving body of water is too unpredictable. I'm, I mean, it, where is it going to go? Who is it going to show up to? Is there going to be a fisherman there? Is it going to go by someone's farm? Is someone on a boat going to see it? You know, be like, what the fuck is this stuff? And it just, it, it puts. I think it puts too much out there, too much question out there. I, I don't know, man. You're assuming that everyone who lives by a river is just really closely scrutinizing the river, and if if they see if they see a bunch of black powder floating along the river, they're gonna be like, "Wait, what the fuck is that?" Like, I I live right by the L.A. River. You wouldn't believe the things I've seen floating in that river. I don't pay them <laughs> any attention whatsoever. And I mean, also, maybe you should. I, I I don't no, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's actual whole non-burned dead bodies floating in that river. There are in fact there's been a lot of rain here recently. There've been a lot of live bodies who the fire department has had to pull out of there. I I can't do anything about that. The river is someone else's concern. I <laughs> I think that I think that I just I'm saying Johnny Cash got real lucky that this hunter or tracker or whatever who's working with him, they find the site where the body was burned. And they know that it was burned, like, oh, what are we going to do? And then the tracker just wades into the water, goes like one foot, and finds a bunch of powder pushed up against a tree. You say it's lucky. I say it's that part rings true to me. There's so much gunk that that shit can get caught up in that, you know... Okay, sorry, I just got, like, sidetracked by the thought of when they, they do a 1948 version of dragging the bottom of the river. Oh, when they're just... (laughs) With the... With those hooks? Oh, my yeah, God. Throwing grappling hooks into the river again and again. It's like, how? Wh- when do you stop? Do you want to have some kind of system, maybe? <laughs> yeah, it, that that was wild to me. But, like, you know, getting bone shards or the ashes, whatever, just kind of clumped around some, some reeds, some weeds, some seaweed, you yeah. know, a tree, like, it's some trees. growing out of the water here and the roots. Some swedes. Like... <laughs> I, I think it's it's too I would I would be more prone to just re just bury the ashes. Like why put something dry and powdery into the thing that is least dry and powdery? Put it back into something that's dry and powdery and spread it around. Mm, you know, Landon, this is where you and I are are gonna disagree and, and be in disagreement about how we will cover up murders that we commit. Uh because I <laughs> Like I, I think you put it in the river. The river is traveling away from your property. 
the the majority, the bulk of the ashes will eventually be somewhere else. Even if some of them are still around, it's, you know, whereas your plan entails keeping all of the evidence that you've murdered someone on your property where it's very easy to well, okay. draw the connection. Well, okay, I can easily amend mine, though. You put yours in the water, you can no longer get yours back, you know. Easy come, easy if go. With mine, you can you can powder out a little bit in multiple places. Do do an Andy Dufresne, <laughs> carry it in your pants, and then kick it out of your your you know your cuff <laughs> in a few different places. Yeah, and 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 why is Andy Dufresne doing that? Because he wants to tunnel into a uh, into a a moving source of liquid. I can't. No, that's not good. Okay, that's gross. Actually, <laughs> I look. You know, I, I think it, I no neither option is. I don't know. It's just we're different people. We have different approaches to how we want to cover up a murder. I want like and this is this is me. I, I don't want to I don't want to think about it that much. I just want to be like, OK, I, I just I want this that's to stop. You'll get caught. Problem. I know that. Well, I mean, you're right. I I watched this not work for Andy Griffith. And I'm saying I would I would not do anything different. I would do the exact <laughs> thing he did. So that tells you everything about what kind of criminal I am. That's how you know I'm an honest man. If I did anything wrong, I would be in jail immediately. I am not nearly as influential or wealthy as Andy Griffith. Um I'm less I'm less racist than his character is for what that's worth. Um okay, so all right. I, I guess I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on disposing of bodies. What else have you got? Okay. <laughs> Uh well no I'm glad that's that's like where I was gonna go with it um uh let's talk about when they first meet you know the the arrest mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah he is he has gone and he's basically told he's found all of Andy Griffith's accomplices and told him hey I want you to you know I need to talk to all of you at the courthouse bring Andy Griffith with you so they yeah they roll up and um Andy comes in all smiling and happy and trying to be folksy and shake hands and. Uh, <laughs> Johnny Cash immediately shows him this. Okay. So before this has happened, the, the setup yeah. for this scene, for them calling them, first place Johnny Cash goes when he hears that it was, uh, when he hears that it was Andy Griffith who did this, he goes to Andy Griffith's house. He's not home at the moment. He talks to Andy Griffith's wife who lets them search the place. They look in the laundry and like the first thing they find is a bunch of Andy Griffith's bloodstained clothes, just covered <laughs> in blood. So much blood. He has brought them home and given them to his wife to wash and she hasn't even done it yet. <laughs> The the thing is, like, this is I, I there is an arrogance here. I wish they exploited a little bit more. Like, it's just we're we're getting the breadcrumbs of the arrogance, and I I wanted to see, I wanted a, a more satisfying comeuppance for him. I mean, well, you you do watch him like with his head shaved, be strapped into the electric chair, and the switch being thrown. Like, that's <laughs> well, about as big a okay, comeuppance that, that as there is. That was shocking. Uh, yeah, no pun intended. In fact. That was. <laughs> That was, uh, that was not what I was expecting. It was a bit I, of I a jolt. Bask, yeah. I, I don't want to watch someone die. I want to, <laughs> I want to bask in their downfall. The the movie just like like yep. Now the state is going to execute this human being. This system works. Everybody, we're good. Uh, <laughs> oh God. I I mean, so, but I I do I like. This is how sloppy of a criminal he is, that he has killed a man in broad daylight and then taken his bloodstained clothes back to his home and not even washed them right away and not even done it himself. Right. And then they when he drives up. OK, so then that's that's the evidence that they get to get them to come to the courthouse. And he comes up and shows like, oh, you want to know why I had blood on my stuff? 
because I had this cut on my arm uh, from the scuffle. And it's like, <laughs> they don't buy it for a second. Like, how does the entire back of your suit get bloody from this little cut on your arm? I, I but, mean, it's it's the entire shoulder of the shirt soaked all the way down to the shirt tail with blood on both sides. And then a big stain down the pants of blood as well. And he rolls up his sleeve and shows them a half inch cut on his shoulder, yeah. on, his, on his arm. But to his arrogance, though, he drives to the uh, and so they arrest him right then and there. Um, and Earl Hinman out in the parking lot is searching his car and finds the murder weapon still in the glove box with blood on it. Still, he says, "Oh, there's still blood on it." And they they like as they're well, driving, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, well, Tim, you know that's uh, that's that's why you don't take the uh, car that you killed someone in to the uh, meeting with the sheriff, as was told to me by my old friend Sheriff Lamar Potts. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the, the it the it it is really only, the only thing missing is a silver platter. He does he does absolutely nothing to try to keep from being arrested and even if i'm you know probably that's all true that's probably all real stuff and it speaks to the culture of impunity that mm-hmm. the the mistake is making this a movie about the master cop who tracked this guy down when really it's a movie about the guy who was so cocky that he thought he could not be caught like it's not exciting watching someone follow the very obvious trail of breadcrumbs <laughs> right right i mean in that regard you know, it's not a heavy lift. This role doesn't ask too much of Johnny Cash. I, I mean, Johnny, which is why he excels so much. I think. I, I mean, that he can just do what he's good at. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's the only reason that I, I am kind of, I am invested in or find Lamar Potts interesting at all as a character is because it's like, oh, it's Johnny Cash, and I didn't really know he acted much, but he's doing a pretty good job. I like, I like this. Like he, <laughs> the. The history that he brings to the character is far more interesting than what the character is actually doing. Like, <laughs> yes, he, yeah. I, I said a trail of breadcrumbs. It's he's not even following a trail of breadcrumbs. It's just like there's a very long baguette on the ground, and Andy Griffith <laughs> is holding onto the other end just, of it, using it to stab the dead body. It's it's two baguettes, just one one lengthwise, and then one broken in half to make an arrow pointing at Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's um, the, yeah, it's not, it's not an investigation even really. It's just a guy <laughs> looking at things that have been left in front of him. Yeah. All right. Before we get to the trial, I kind of want to sum up the, the vibe of this, uh, like this, which is to me, what we witness in this movie and, and particularly with the investigation part is like the backstory that we would never even see. In, like, I, I don't know what, what, why it brings to mind, like, um, uh, Public Enemies, where mm. Christian Bale's character uh, <laughs> is tracking down Johnny Cash, or, uh, Johnny Cash, Johnny Depp's. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> would would have been a way better movie. I'm sorry if Johnny Cash was in Public Enemies. Holy shit! <laughs> so like, just uh, you know, learning, you know, understanding that, like, oh yeah, Elliot Ness had some big time, uh, uh cases under his belt before he started chasing Dillinger down. Mm-hmm. Like it would just, this would be a footnote in his backstory. Yes. And we're just like, well, it's a TV movie. What if we just watch one of the footnotes? Yeah. <laughs> just, it is what it is. <laughs> like the, the Lamar Potts share, you know, Sheriff Potts is like, 
his his real story is going to be what comes after this. Yeah, it, it's it's exactly this. You know, we're watching like like Thor: The Dark World or something, and it's like, well, <laughs> it, it's not it's not really a great movie, but you need to watch it so that Avengers makes sense. You know, it, this is just <laughs> he's he's going to be. It's going to be him and Sheriff Tom Wopat and Brian Dennehy from Undue Influence <laughs> all all joining I'd forces. Yeah, I I wouldn't actually. I would I would let you tell me about it, and that would be okay. that would be good enough for me. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to? Is there anything more pre-trial you want to talk about? Mm, you know, I don't think that there is. So let's yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Andy Griffith is arrested. They yep. find the ashes of of Wilson. Uh, Not in w- Wilson finds Wilson's. A- you know, our Wilson finds dead Wilson's ashes. Yes, uh, and it's enough to convict uh, or not convict. It's enough to uh, charge him yeah. with murder, and it goes to trial. And um... <laughs> <laughs> can you give us a, a quick just? second synopsis for how this trial part goes and then we'll we'll pick it apart <laughs> so everybody uh everybody in town shows up at the courthouse this is the hot ticket event everybody wants to see uh this uh rich guy from the adjoining county go down everyone's wagering on whether they're actually going to be able to pull this off uh and so first the state prosecutor uh, who doesn't even get a name basically just uh States his case, talks about how we've got 48 pieces of evidence and 16 witnesses and and all this stuff. We're going to testify about what they saw. We get brief clips of Wilson's wife testifying about what happened and about, you know, witnesses at the uh, at the the place where they, you know, shoved him into the car talking about what they saw and what that looked like and 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 who did it. And uh, so then. Uh, Andy Griffith's lawyer gets up to take his get to make his opening statements, and we've heard that oh, he's hired this big shot, big city lawyer from Atlanta who's you know gonna gonna get him off, and it's like okay, what's gonna happen? And the and Andy Griffith's lawyer proceeds to say, well, actually, you can't prove that the murder happened in this county, so uh, we there's no jurisdiction to try this here. I'm going to prove that whatever happened actually happened over in. Uh, over in Meriwether County, which is, of course, where uh, where Andy Griffith has all the power, and we should be trying the case there instead. Which he says, he says, uh, so I I'm vying for a retrial or a dismissal. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's yeah. not even saying he didn't commit the murder. He's just saying <laughs> by jurisdiction rules, uh, this needs to be thrown out. Uh, the the audacity and although i have to say that also seems like just based on watching recent high profile legal proceedings for any number of different guys i don't like that does seem to be how it works a lot of the time is yeah. like well yeah well oh, well it turns out this piece of paperwork was not put in the right file cabinet so you're innocent of all you know you're 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 pardoned and in fact you get to commit five more crimes and we won't do anything about it <laughs> right uh <sighs> But so he he goes up and and makes that case and the that is not very persuasive to the jury and then Andy Griffith uh, against his lawyer's advice gets up and starts testifying on his own behalf in which case he really fucks up and and just you know tells this ludicrous story about how actually uh oh I was just trying to help him out and he fell backwards into my gun and then and then I I and he basically admits to accidentally shooting him. But in 
in Meriwether County and then saying, and I don't remember what happened next and, you know, but I'm a good man. Let me go, please. I just, he basically <laughs> confesses to yeah. a, to another crime, even though it's not the one he committed. And he sits back down and his lawyer says, you totally fucked that up. And he's like, no, I'm fine. And then they have the jury come in and the jury convicts him and he's sentenced <laughs> to death immediately. Well, there, there's a, there's, okay. So I, I was going to, let it go, let it slide. But it, I think it's worth mentioning that you had mentioned like stuff that they would maybe have shot and edited out of this. Yes. And I think for TV movies, that's a pretty tight ship. Sure. If it's, if they shoot something, it's more than likely going to go in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they do so much pre-production and people have to know, you know, sensor wise, if this is going directly to TV, what is going to be there and blah, 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 before yeah. they spend money on it. I think it's, a little bit different than the movie system, or studio system. But yeah. that said, there's an extended sequence before the trial of Johnny Cash. Andy Griffith is in jail, and uh, Johnny Cash is going around trying to convince people to testify. Mm-hmm. And it's only now, after now that we're talking about it and seeing what happens in this movie, that I don't, I don't know what the point of it was. <laughs> Like we we see almost nobody. We see one or two, but it's only like a line or so uh, of people testifying against him, mm-hmm. um, yeah. including the two moonshiners, Albert yeah. Brooks and Robert Lee Gates. Uh, but he goes to like um, that when I was talking about him going to detain a, a, a not a suspect, um, a witness, you mm-hmm. know, uh, someone to speak. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, uh, yeah, a, a witness or someone to testify against him. Like, what? What do you? Yeah, mean? someone to testify. Whatever the term for that person is. Um, like he goes to, I guess, what they're calling the kingdom, and everyone that's under Andy Griffith's uh, uh, spell, his jurisdiction, for yeah. lack of a better word. You know, they're under his his thumb, if you will, uh, are standing out there. Like, you're not gonna. You're not going to take him. You know, he will not testify. He's not walking out of this kingdom. You can't do anything about it. They got Mm -hmm. their shotguns, Mm -hmm. you know, resting on their knee, and uh, they're just standing in a firewall. And this is the the scene. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is the scene that really, uh, I don't know, got me with, with Johnny Cash is, like, he walks up to them just cold stares him down. He's like, I'm going to just walk in there. You're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to shoot me. Yeah. <laughs> but before that, though, like, as they're driving up, you know, because Earl Hemmings there and a couple other of the uh, police force. Yeah. And he tells them all, put your put your guns in the car. I don't want to shoot out here. Yeah. And so he walks up there unarmed to this, this crusade of people trying to keep him out, stares him down and just kind of like walks through them. Yeah. Grabs the guy and just drags him to the car. Yeah. The guy, the guy, by the way, who has a gun and refuses to be taken, but then Johnny Cash just disarms him. The, the, one of one of two scenes in this movie where people have guns pointed at him and every reason to shoot him and basically just decide not to because he's too hardcore. <laughs> um. So okay, so he goes through and gets just people testify or to agree to testify. That's where we get the scene where you described earlier about. You know, their uh, Albert Brooks and Robert Lee Gates uh, being so on the fence and just kind of being put in a position, um, but deciding to do it. 
the people that they get to testify, you know, um, we get uh, uh, Lancaster, uh, May Haley mm-hmm. testifies. Yeah, they uh, Albert Brooks, Robert Lee Gates testify. They they have the the damning testifi- testification. Is this the word I was? Gonna yeah, yeah, use? yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah people who testify are known as testicles. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah. No. That that um, was it. That's it. I went to law school. So. <laughs> We do get a, a handful of the townsfolk uh, speaking out against Andy Griffith here. Yeah, yeah. It, there's you get a you get a lot of people saying, "Oh, he's untouchable. He can't be. He can't be taken down." But that ultimately is not backed up with anything. There's never really he's like the he Johnny Cash thwarts this guy just by virtue of being. Hardcore, like just you know, yeah. every, everyone well, looks at him and has suddenly more faith in Johnny Cash than they do in Andy Griffith. This is okay, uh, and I realize this is going to veer into the real world a little bit, but this is what I, I, I don't always understand about shit like this. And I, I'm going to point to the Murdoch case, where if you watch the the docu series on HBO Low County, mm-hmm. um, or Low Country, I'm sorry. The uh, uh, there are residents interviewed in that that talk about like if you say the name Murdoch in this county, it holds a certain amount of power. People yeah. know a certain thing, but it's all psychological to a degree. It's it's not. I I well, I'm oversimplifying it, but like the thing is, like no one should be above the well <laughs> I'm saying the obvious yeah. no one should be above the law but, but it's a like, good point it's it's only that they are allowing him to be above the law by uh, you know kind of acknowledging that he has the power but if they did turn and testify against him he wouldn't have that power so they kind of have the power over him it's just it's a weird psychological dynamic that i kind of wish was pulled out a little bit more in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think there's a very interesting story here to be told about the nature of power and how power is related to charisma and personality and how much of power is really just based on shared acceptance that someone is untouchable and like i i, I think i think the story of a lot of these people in the town making the decision to turn on him and to testify against this person is more interesting than the story of the lawman finding the very obvious clues that he's left behind. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um so that's not the movie we watch. No, it's really not. Can I can I <laughs> interrupt for a second with something that I I learned just relatively recently and I just want to correct the yeah. record on something I said. When talking yeah. about uh, Mahaley Lancaster, I mentioned that she testified uh, and was involved with the murder trial of a guy named Leo Frank who was a factory owner who was convicted of killing a 13-year-old. I I made some comments that made it sound like he was the bad guy in that case. I have looked a little further. It seems like this was a Jewish guy who got railroaded for the crime and was uh, killed uh, afterwards by a lynch mob. So uh, I just want to take a moment to depress everybody, but just make very clear that I don't want to impugn the name of this guy who was wrongfully killed by a broken justice system. Anyway, okay, back back to our movie That's, about the rich guy who very much is the bad guy. I think the moral we take from that is. Maybe maybe we should 
be responsible with our re- research before we podcast. I mean, listen, I <laughs> I, I point my f- finger at myself at that too. I I mean, look, I with all this talk about impunity and people being careless, and then we're on here just like, oh, I'm going to glance at the Wikipedia article and talk <laughs> about it live, recording myself about a murder trial. <laughs> It'll it'll be fine. No one can touch me. They, this podcast is the kingdom, after all. No comment. Okay. Um, I do have a comment about um, the prosecutor here. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, I'm sorry. The, the, I'm sorry. The defense attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the guy that is um trying to trying to get Andy Griffith off. Oh, hey. Uh, well, I mean, uh, <laughs> no comment. Go on. What? what uh, <laughs> I I saw the that sentence phrased in my head and I couldn't stop myself from saying it. it's it's the um, it's impunity, dude. You you knew that nothing could happen. James Neal yes. is playing his defense attorney. Now I'm you probably have more information than I do on this, and I will just completely be upfront that I'm only pulling this from an IMDb trivia. Uh, so please jump in after I read this with more information. But this is fucking wild. Yes. James Neal, who plays the defense attorney, was... Okay, so I'm just going to read it verbatim. Yeah. Was, in fact, an attorney and prosecutor in real life. Yes. He was a special prosecuting attorney who won the convictions of Richard Nixon's aides, H.R. Haldeman, John Elrickman, and John Mitchell during the Watergate uh, trial in 1974. He had several other significant cases in his career among his clients were john landis who he successfully defended against charges of voluntary manslaughter uh of vic morrow um and the two kids that were on the set of the twilight zone um george uh nicolopolis against charges uh that he over prescribed drugs to elvis presley Mm mm-hmm uh, and Exxon, in the wake of the Exxon oil spill, uh, just two years after he filmed this movie, he was named by Forbes, Forbes magazine as one of the five best trial lawyers of 1985. I mean, and now, he, Randy, he was, and he's playing Andy Griffith's lawyer? Yes. Wow, Andy Griffith's shitty lawyer, his terrible lawyer. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> is he the best actor? I mean, if you're you're comparing... Is it is it a further stretch from Andy Griffith, the man playing? Uh, oh my god, I've forgotten it. John Wallace, the mm-hmm. the the character. Uh, is that a further stretch, or uh, is is uh, is this a further stretch? I forgot I, his name. Uh, James Neal playing A. L. Henson. I I mean, you know, in some in some ways. It it is a stretch when you think that you know uh, John Mitchell was the attorney general, at the, uh, the former attorney general, so a guy who successfully brought charges against a bunch of very corrupt public officials. Um, in some regards, that's playing against type, but then also the fact that he was a guy who seemed to be heavily involved in helping uh, rich jackasses get away from things like Exxon Corporation or John Landis. <laughs> uh, did you? I, so maybe you didn't know then that after he successfully uh, defended John Landis uh, for you know his really unsafe set that he ran, 
Uh, John Landis then cast him a- as an extra in Coming to America in 1988. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, well, now you do know that. Uh, yeah, and also, uh, James Neal also was a special investigator during the Iran-Contra scandal and also during Abscam, which oh is the uh, kind of dense and difficult to follow uh, sting operation that the movie American Hustle is loosely based on. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> it, so, there, so three really weird... And interesting casting decisions for this movie. <laughs> I I gotta say though, I mean, pr- pretty good. He, I you if you told me that guy was a career federal prosecutor, I would not have guessed that. He seemed he seemed like a pretty good actor for in the small role. I, I mean, I agree. Good in the fact that I it was kind of wallpaper to me. I mean, Andy Griffith is really chewing the scenery in this sequence. So yeah, like I. I yeah. Without the the IMDb trivia pointing him out, I don't think I would have even registered him. I I wouldn't have either. I mean, this is really. I mean, but of, of course, this movie is coming out. Uh, this TV movie is debuting about ten years after the Watergate hearings that everyone in America watched. So probably, yeah, this was huge stunt casting. Everyone was elbowing each other on the couch. Oh my God, what? Uh, <laughs> there would be like I don't know casting John Ito in Argo or something. <laughs> Yeah, or I don't know. It's like it's like if uh, uh, Michael Cohen or uh, or Robert Robert Mueller was like in the next Marvel movie or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, I I mean, also you just wonder like did did they reach out to him or did he reach out to them? Because this guy seems like he really liked being in movies. I don't, maybe maybe it's a I I don't know. I'm speculating here, but oh. you know maybe it was he had a relationship with Andy Griffith. Uh, if Andy I, Griffith was doing, you know, research for this upcoming show called Matlock. I I mean, uh, well, look, I, I actually did, did just find the answer on Wikipedia. So as much as I wish oh, that there okay. were a Matlock connection. So in addition to trial litigation, uh, James Neal did legal work for a number of Nashville-based country western entertainers. One of his clients, Johnny Cash, cast him as a lawyer in the movie Murder in Cowboy County. So uh, there you go. I think Johnny Cash is like a co-producer on this or something. So... Uh, there it is. Pays to work for Johnny Cash, I guess. Um, I mean, I was surprised to see Johnny Cash cast in this movie. i even more surprised to see Johnny Cash's lawyer cast in this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, it's... Damn it. Let me... I'm going to think on that one. I'm going to... There's a joke brewing in my head. No, no, I'm no. I'm going to get it out by the end of it. By yeah. the end of this episode. Okay, good. Um, good. Ruminate on it. Um... It, what else? Uh, what else with the trial? You know, Andy Griffith going up, and you know, because I guess in every every trial, the the defendant is offered the opportunity to speak in his or her own defense, and just generally accepted legal f- theory is that you shouldn't do that; it looks bad or something. But <laughs> so Andy Griffith insists on getting up there and, and doing it, and it's, I th- yeah, this is really at the point that it just becomes almost indistinguishable from Matlock to me. And mind you, I, I mainly just, <laughs> yes, in my head, it's really just Andy Griffith in a courtroom kind of grandstanding and making a, a folksy cornpone speech about a thing. And so there, I mean, I almost wonder, is this like a backdoor pilot for Matlock? Because I know that's, <laughs> that show started in the mid to late eighties. So I feel like somebody, 86, somebody watched, you, you were doing your research. Somebody watched this. <laughs> no, I just like, watched a lot of Matlock growing up. <laughs> I, um, 
I I don't know. I, I I feel like somebody saw this and was just like, wait, there's a there's a series here. Or they like got the Nielsen ratings numbers and saw lots of old people really were reacting to those scenes and were like, wait, we can make this happen. <laughs> uh, I'm actually I'm watching the trial scene right now in the background, and there's there. This is this is not interesting content at all. I wonder, <laughs> relative to what, <laughs> relative to I don't know. Even the stuff we do, um, Re- relative to this movie, though. I mean, again, go with it. So he's six, about sixty, late fifties, early sixties here. Andy mm-hmm. Griffith is, yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if this is the first time he's really done something let me look at his filmography the chronology of it I'm wondering if this is the first time he's like gone with his uh silver hair uh, i i can i can correct you there as well uh in the movie hearts of the west where he play it's from like i think the late 70s he plays a silent era kind of has been movie star um and he's got he's got silver hair there that's also the movie where you see him at a bachelor party with a topless woman performing and he's telling dirty jokes up on stage and that was my real introduction to oh andy andy from the tv show grew up <laughs> andy went bad andy broke bad uh wow okay when when do you think when do you think we're going to get the glossy sexy cw andy griffith show remake that's like riverdale but but andy it's just called andy the 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 matlock of uh the the perry mason matlock the hbo version yeah 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 basically that it's got i don't know some (laughs) matlock the early years it's it yeah they'll probably cast pedro pascal as andy griffith (laughs) because everyone's horny for him and you know and and opie is gonna like be selling drugs or something and Uh Uh, let's see. Is, Don Knotts will be a tweaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don Don Knotts will be racist. I'm sorry. That'll be the that'll be the real thing. He'll be constantly getting into into corrupt stuff. That yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's out there. There's probably a there's probably a whole comedy bit that someone could do if they were not just spinning this off the dome with the audacity of Andy Griffith. <laughs> um. Okay. Let's talk about the end of this movie. Okay. He's convicted. Yes. Jury, jury deliberates for all of two seconds. He's guilty, um, and is then and and sentenced immediately. Sentencing typically yeah, is something that happens yes. like months afterwards or at least weeks yeah. afterwards. But the judge is just like, "You're guilty. You'll be executed on this day at exactly this time," as though the judge has just made that up. Yeah. Well, you know, the judge recognizes we have very strict time slots to stick to. Yeah, yes. You you will be executed exactly five minutes before murder she wrote. <laughs> how does he how does he take it? Because I find it kind of interesting. He's like when he hears that he's guilty, he seems genuinely shocked and surprised yep. and and like he can't believe it, which is a lot of good acting done with his eyes and his face and, and reacting to a thing. I mean, at, at this point, he's presented as a man in just very deep denial about everything, like that he's just lost all grip on reality. But um, yeah, yeah, he, he... it's almost as if his life has turned to ashes and is floating down a river called denial. Oh, man, I personally, it felt more like his life had turned to ashes and is slowly being covered with uh, the dirt of consequences as it's buried <laughs> underneath the uh, earth of justice. But hey, you know, we have different opinions about what it seemed like. Who can yes, say really yes, which one is yes. right? Uh but I, okay, so like 
yes, a, a fine piece of acting, I guess, when he gets that. But he immediately, like, I, I don't know if this is just the, the like, I don't know, um, uh, tropes of the TV movies at the time. But, like, he, he, like, suddenly turns his charm back on when he's like, well, I got two final scenes I have to do with Johnny Cash. So, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going <laughs> to, I don't know. They, they seem to have this kind of warm exchange almost. Yeah, this it's almost kind of my least favorite part of it is when Johnny Cash goes to visit him on death row right before he's executed. And it's just, I just wanted to see if there was anything I could do for you. And it's like, you don't owe this guy anything, man. You did your job. <laughs> you don't have to be nice to him. What's this gentleman's agreement bullshit? Uh, like, it's 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 fine. He's fine. The prison, he, he's, he's a bad guy who's going to die. Like, why are you worried about him, Johnny Cash? Um, Yeah, and he is gonna because um like you know in an interesting bit of editing i was shocked by like you get these kind of like little flash flashes uh flash images as they're having this conversation or as johnny cash is walking away from the conversation and andy griffith is just kind of like smugly smiling watching him walk down of these like straps going over you know a leg or a a wrist and we realize that it's you know, flash forwarding to Andy Griffith being strapped into the electric chair, which is which is a sight to see. And and th- mind you, in the conversation with Johnny Cash on Jeff- death row, uh, uh, Andy Griffith is just saying like, "Well, I'm I'm gonna get out of here. The governor is gonna pardon me. I'm not gonna go to the chair." And then it's flashes forward mm-hmm. to it. Um, yeah, it's the fact that they ha- so his head has been shaved. I mean, I I feel like this has got to be a bald cap. I feel like no way Andy Griffith shaved his head for a made-for-TV movie. Maybe for a real movie, but not for one of these. Um, (laughs) But it's 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 a little shocking. God, we 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 said the same thing before. It's not good. It's a little disturbing to see. It's it's very yeah. Just beloved TV icon, friendly folksy Andy Griffith you know, being killed, like, un- under these circumstances, too. It'd be different I mean, if you just see him get shot in, like, a cowboy movie, but that it's, like, strapped to a chair and electrocuted is, oh. It's, it is, uh, it feels a little unnecessary, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I, I... Death penalty is unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know what point they're making more than leaving at him, like, watching Johnny Cash walk down, you know, the corridor away from him. Mm-hmm. To to actually like the last shots we get are Andy Griffith just blood drained from his face, strapped to the electric chair. <laughs> the executioner puts a bag over his head, and the final shot is just the switch being thrown to black. Yep. <laughs> Don't stop. Just just cut right right there. Smash cut <laughs> to black. I uh maybe the the most downer ending we've done in a movie in <laughs> current work. No, the most downer ending was still crazy on the outside, simply because you know you have to now live in a world where that movie exists, and also then your your TV died. Um, why every time you got to bring that up? It's uh, look, I just we we can't we can't sweep that under the rug. We can't dump the ashes of that movie into the river of time. Okay, we have to we have to bury it <laughs> on, on the property of our podcast. It's okay. All right, it's a. I mean, it is a very downer ending. I mean, I, you know, charitably, you could say that maybe this movie is trying to say, well, well, in, isn't it interesting? This this man kills someone, and yet he's a product of a society brutal enough to 
also kill him. If if you I feel- mean the moral the moral is pretty straightforward. It's like no one's above the law. Crime doesn't pay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess if which you- is the most fantasy element of this. No, of course, of course. That is the that is the least believable thing. And in fact, I am. Even going to the Wikipedia page afterwards, I was like, okay, but but let me guess. He actually, like, the Supreme Court freed him on a technicality, right? And he lived to be 107 <laughs> years old and had 25 more kids. Oh, no, he actually died. Weird. Wow. Um, I, I don't know. It just, it... It's hard to it's hard to watch this scene as someone who who's not into the death penalty also because just the Yeah, likewise. J- j- the whole uh <laughs> the whole mechanics of it because this is also I don't know I know it's I know that the movie doesn't expect you to like click your heels and cheer at this it's presented as a somber thing but it's also just this is kind of the heaviest and most serious moment in the movie. The movie is not exactly a laugh riot, but you'd think it would right. end it, it could end with Johnny Cash leaving and then, I don't know, going home or going back to work See, or going back. the orphan with a new pair of pants or something. Yeah, just like, yeah, he's driving back from the prison and he sees this orphan so proud of his pants that fit perfectly and just nodding like, you know. <laughs> he get, he he gets he goes home, he gets into bed with his wife and his wife tells him, hey, I just got the news that my painting of ducks got the three cent stamp. And Johnny Cash is like, well, the three cent stamp's a really good stamp. And they, they just yeah, do the end of Fargo, you know, it's just okay. <laughs> But he goes back to his life, and he's been changed by the experience. But no, no, you you show me you show me Sheriff Andy Griffith getting his uh, getting himself fried. It's not it's not fun. Oh boy, Wait. no. no. Um, okay, here's something fun. Uh, <laughs> this movie is I, I don't know so forgotten and obscure. If you go to the IMDb page for it, the the primary so there's like the movie poster, which is you know whatever. Yeah. Um, but. Maybe it's just in the app. I'm not sure if you can see it in the the browser version of mm-hmm. IMDb, but there's like a, a featured image that pops up for movies. Yeah, and are you, are you able to see what it is? Uh, the the featured image. I'm just seeing. Uh, I, I'm just seeing the poster for the movie. Uh, you what, are okay. What's the featured image. I mean, is it the featured image? Is um uh, you know, just a a random scene from the movie. Uh, still image, but it's clearly taken from someone's phone of their TV oh. with the lamp reflected in the image. Yes, okay, I, I am seeing this. This is the second of the available things. I... That is funny, but I want to I want to remind everyone. Landon prefaced this anecdote with, "Here's something fun." So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, would you prefer we talk more about the death penalty or this reflected lamp that is now the star <laughs> of this IMDb page? <laughs> Sound off in the comments, like and subscribe. Listen, I just I, I felt like that image encapsulated just a a, a generation of forgotten movies that mm-hmm. like you can't find this in your Walmart dollar bin. This is only something you could catch on TV, uh, and the only way to get a still frame from it is to use your old Nokia phone to, to take a photo of your your you know normal i don't even know what do you what did you call tvs before flat screens i you should call, know that uh, crt tvs a cathode ray yes. tube tv there you go. yeah uh, with its uh, domed bulbous screen yeah yeah maybe a vcr combo I, I mean and immediately after taking this grainy nokia picture the senior citizen who took it then turned the camera around to take a picture of the upper three quarters of their face to post on their brand new facebook profile <laughs> that their grandkids set up for them uh, same camera, same moment, same energy. That's that's what we've got. 
Oh, see, it wasn't that fun. No, it, 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 you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're no, you're right, Landon. I had a really good time. You know what? I will. I will bury those ashes on my property after all. Um, yeah. Oh, oh man. So I don't know well, what else we got. We get some. We get some. Yeah. Where are they now? Pictures, and they're all mainly about people who either got other sentences or uh, or uh, died oh, yeah, before they right. could go to trial. The kind of postscript of the movie. Yeah. yeah the um, yeah, most of them got yeah sentences. Um, some of his accomplices. Uh, we didn't really talk about his like crew, his kingdom crew. <laughs> um, but yeah. They're the ones that all went to prison. One guy, the the corrupt cop, had a heart attack. Um, and Albert Brooks and um, Robert Lee Gates uh, got got off scot free. Thank goodness. I, I mean, well, yeah, because they, yeah, they got uh, they got immunity for turning states' witnesses. So good for them! Yeah. Yay! Wish we could have seen more way of how to, that played out. Way to go! Yeah. Um, let me pull up some letterbox reviews. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah, hear what other people think. Yeah. Don't just take Uh, our word for it. (laughs) Believe it or not, this has 33 reviews. Wow. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm going to just find some short ones here. I wish I'd never had to see Bald Andy Griffith, minus half star. Wow. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty good. I I Um, wish that, too. Let's see. Should have stayed in Meriwether County. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, way better than I expected. Greatest collection of interesting faces I've ever seen. It this is this is a face forward movie. You get a real smorgasbord of faces. Uh, last one here. Uh, promising start just kind of ends. No real tension. Yeah, promising start just kind of ends forty five minutes in. That's the that's the real <laughs> that's the real problem there. Uh, but uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you want to cover with this movie? No, no, there's really not. I look, I was looking hard for scenes where maybe the lower half of Earl Hinman's face would be blocked by something just to see if there would be a, a fun moment <laughs> of that. But there, there wasn't. Unfortunately, there wasn't. there's no foreshadowing of where his career was going to take him. Well, um, except for the character name of Wilson. Oh, OK. Well, I guess that's true. Yes. OK, you're, you're right. You're right. And I guess, that you know, Andy Griffith is an eccentric old man in this movie. So, also, kind of a very weak hint of where he was going to go. I guess so. Yeah. Um. Well, okay, let's talk about a little bit of where we're going to go. Ooh, yeah. I'm not going to... Uh, Truman? No, okay. What? I'm going to do the same thing to you, Uh, and I hope I haven't broken your trust with this experiment, <sighs> but I promise you that you're going to enjoy the next one. And it's going to be so unexpected. Okay. Is this a a a Muppet movie about zoning regulations? That's all I could that's the only thing I can say for you're, sure that I would absolutely enjoy. I'm not gonna say you're incorrect. Mm. Um that's not exactly it, but you're closer than you think. Oh wow. Oh man, I don't know. Oh man, I gave you two very different things for it to be close to oh shit this this could go either way um all right i'm i'm excited and and listeners yeah depending on how interested in zoning you are you may or may not be excited uh the next movie will be on tubi um and uh what else what other uh i'll give you two more clues okay um was it on er uh, there <laughs> uh 
No, but it stars someone who was in a show running concurrently with ER. Oh dear. Oh my God. Oh gosh. Oh geez. Oh dang. Okay. I have, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to go too far because I, I still want to be surprised, but I now have a lot of suspicions yeah. and ideas that I'm going to save for next week. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, there's no way, unless you actually do research, there's no way you will guess what it is. Okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure that I, I'm sure that I can't. I look for, so, and I should just text you and you'll, and you'll send me the, the magic link at the magic time. Yeah. Oh, the, the last clue I'll give you and our listeners is that it, it might have to do with an alien. Uh, it's Galaxy Quest. That's it. It's Galaxy Quest, everybody. <laughs> it's it's not Galaxy Quest, but I, I, we will do that at some point. Yeah, damn right we will. Um, okay, I'm, I can't, I, I, is it Alf? I can't even wait. This is going to be, this is going to be great. I am, I am excited. Uh, All right. Yeah. Fun Secret Surprises. That's that's the Fantastic. name of our podcast now. It's not Grunt Work anymore. It's Fun Secret Surprises. <laughs> FSS. All right. Well, uh, thank you for helping us to create the show. If you want to help us keep the mics plugged in, go over to patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where uh, for as little as $1, which goes a long way for us, yeah, um, and gets you a good old bang for your buck, because uh, you get the entire... Uh, archive of our grunt work nights episodes all of them uh, every there's like over 200 episodes there that, every, you, uh, you keep, i mean it's a full-on show on its own you keep saying that and i keep just kind of withering inside as i think about the time the 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 many hours <laughs> that have gone into just that that supplemental product to this main product yeah well yeah uh that said go subscribe and listen wait to wait way to do the soft sell <laughs> Hey, you know what? Don't don't buy it. I don't care. <laughs> Reverse psychology, Landon. That's how we get them. Okay, got it. Um, so, uh, we're still dealing with podcast uh, catcher issues um, that will hopefully be resolved very soon. But uh, you know, if you if you here's what I'm hoping is that once we get our shit figured out, the RSS feeds will just. I don't have to like reset the whole podcast mm-hmm. so that you can still leave us ratings and reviews and it'll apply to once we get it figured out. Um, my, my worst case, what I'm losing sleep over is, Oh shit. What if, <laughs> what if I have to repost the show from scratch? Oh God. Oh Jesus. That would be, um, well in that case, in that case, uh, ho- hello to all of you, you know, people of the 2030s it's it's i hope you're enjoying this time capsule from 2023 yeah um but anyway uh you can you can risk it now or you can wait till we get it back up to leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to these shows um but you can go over to instagram um and say hi to us there i always appreciate interacting with uh people even if um i am a little slow at responding so uh you could do that over at instagram um at Grunt Work Pod yes. is the word I was looking for. That's that's the one. Or you can visit our website where you can listen to all of our episodes, uh, even if they aren't on the podcatchers. Um, and that website is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. That that's it. I I know the name of the website. <laughs> you do you do. I was just trying to think of other things they could do there, and I don't know that outside there, of listening to our episodes, there's much to do at the moment. Not not um, a, not a whole lot of options right now. But those episodes are great though. <laughs> and uh, until next week, when we bring you the movie. Uh, 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 I, I, well, <laughs> oh man, just right on the edge. I've, 
I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, don't do the crime if you can't cover up the crime. I guess that's really the, that's really the moral here. Hi, Sheriff Lamar Poss. Come get me now. Thank you.